we all feel and fear our own mortality. Movies have always told us that our life would flash before our eyes the moment we were about to die. But what does it feel like when you're in that moment and you honestly feel like you're about to die and you don't? This week, we're asking this question here on Behind Every Story. What's up, everyone? My name is Jason, and this is Behind Every Story. If this is your first time with us, let me explain what's happening here. I love stories from comics to films, jokes to songs, sitting around a campfire with a close-knit friend, or sitting in an audience being enveloped by a storyteller. I love hearing people's stories. And even more than that, I love hearing about behind those stories. This show is the proverbial director's commentary on the movie of life. This is episode 11 of 50 of the COVID-50. Before we begin, a note of warning. The topics we explore on this show may not be suitable for all listeners. This podcast deals with real people and real stories. These stories may contain and deal with graphic language, adult themes, sexual content, and violence. On a special note, this episode does deal with heavy subjects, including suicide. Listener discretion is advised. This week we're discussing, when was a time in your life that you honestly thought you were going to die? Granted, not everyone might have a story about a time in their life they thought they were going to die, and that's okay. But more people than I thought do. And to be honest, I've had a few. I've had a few moments in my life where I felt that was the last moment I was going to have. It's very therapeutic to be able to talk about this and explain my feelings and hear other people explain theirs. Like I always mention in every episode, I hope someone else gets something out of this as well. So let's venture into a couple times when I honestly thought I was going to die. My wife, at that point, girlfriend of literally, I think, two months, picked me up from the airport in Savannah, Georgia. And to surprise her for picking me up, I bought two mocha frappuccinos and i come out of the airport and i give her one and i hug her i kiss her we get inside her car and we start driving home and all of a sudden before i realize what's happening is we are t-boning another car i black out for maybe a second two or three seconds at the most and my eyes open up i just see brown chunks everywhere in the car And I look down at myself, and I'm okay. And then my very first thought is, oh my God, my girlfriend just exploded. And I say it kind of humorously, but at the moment, I was terrified. And I looked over at her, and I think back now, and I didn't realize this until right now as I'm telling this story, that... When I say I blacked out for a couple seconds, it must have been longer than that because when I was looking for her, I was asking everyone around the car, is she okay? And what had happened was literally we could not have had better timing. The local police station all got off shift at the same time and all the local cops were driving away and saw the accident. And they immediately started telling us what happened where this lady was turning left in front of us and jammed on the brakes. And legally, it ended up being 100% her fault. So after I made sure my girlfriend was safe and healthy and none of that had happened about the brown viscous grossness all over the car, which turned out to be the mocha frappuccinos, I started laughing. And I remember opening the car door, crawling out onto the ground full of glass and broken pieces of metal, and I just wanted to lay down. And I heard people shouting at me to not move, to not not move from the car seat and, you know, be careful. And I just remember I wanted to get to the grass so I could lie down and breathe. And I was having trouble breathing. And as I was lying there, 
all the cops came over and they were looking at me. They were kneeling down to see if I was okay. And I kept asking, uh, is my girlfriend okay? Is my girlfriend okay? And they were like, yeah, she's totally fine. And that's when my chest started really hurting. And I was laying there, but in these kind of scenarios, I have to make it light because that's the way I've lived my life. So I'm making jokes with the cops. And then when the ambulance shows up, there's eight cops. And again, I'm not the smallest guy. I'm pretty big. I'm six foot six, almost 300 pounds. And it's a challenge to lift me up. So when eight cops lifted me up, I was making jokes left and right. And they were laughing. And as soon as I got in the ambulance, all that joking stopped. I lived in Savannah, Georgia at this point for four years before this. And nowhere else in the country have I ever been where the traffic is as bad as it was there. And when I mean bad, I mean extremely selfish drivers. I remember times when I was sitting at a stoplight, seeing an ambulance cross through the intersection, and a car would blow the same stoplight and T-bone the ambulance. I remember seeing multiple times ambulances stuck in traffic because no one would pull over to the side. And I remember people yelling out the window, if I have to be in this traffic jam, so do you. So it was this moment when I'm being carried into the ambulance that I thought I was going to die in traffic. And I thought it was so funny that I might have died being in a traffic jam in the city I really hated the most. I laughed, but it was absolute laughter of fear because I knew I was gonna die there. Whatever was wrong with me, I was going to die in traffic. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna hear some powerful emotional stories from our guests. This is Albert. I am an operations manager from Savannah, Georgia. A time in my life where I thought I was going to die, I was, it was a while back, I was um, driving my Corsica, my first car ever. Um, and I was, uh, had a car accident. A guy, I guess he ran a red light and he went right into me and we went head on kind of. And I literally, that car is old as Corsica is and as heavy as it is. I went like almost head to head with a pickup truck. And that, that's when I thought, if you see in the car, this is like, there's just no way that I just wasn't hurt, but that. I am Chris. I'm a director of photography and I am from Chicago. Um, I had one time on my motorcycle where a person was making a left turn out of a parking lot that did not see me, even though she made eye contact with me, mm. still did not see me. And I could have swore that she hit me. It was, in fact, so close that I actually stopped the bike and got off the bike and I started checking all the bike because I knew I should have been hit. And so then I just sat on the sidewalk thinking, like, that could have been the end of my life and that's how my story ends. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Aside from that, um, I've done a lot of fun experiments with psychedelics that involve ego death. And so I've had the chance to feel what it's like to get to that point of no return where you feel like everything you are is going away. And so it feels like you truly are going to die. And so I would say those two are probably the closest experiences that I have with coming close to death. How does it make you feel now thinking back on them? I think more than anything, it makes me realize just the complete randomness that life can be. And how no matter how you live your life, it could just end for no reason or you might get to live for a very long time. I think it also makes me be much more uh, appreciating of the people that are around me 
knowing that they could also go in any second. So I try to make all our interactions meaningful because of that. My name is John. I am from the West suburbs of Chicago. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's um, with me, that's a, uh, a bit more of a psychological issue. Like I, I referred to not fearing death as much now as I used to, but that's a pretty recent development. Um, I uh, have uh, I had periods in my life where I was certain that I would be dead any moment, you know, and uh, usually that was kind of during uh, – struggles with depression, that kind of stuff. Like I've never had anyone point a gun at me thinking I'm, oh, I'm about to die. Um, but I definitely had periods in my life where I was so depressed that I was just resigned to the fact that like, I'm done for, you know, like, like my, my, my body's, uh, dissolving within me, you know, <laughs> like, like I am full of disease and cancer and wretchedness and I will not wake up one morning. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's so dark. And, uh, but yeah, like I had a big stint of that in my 20, like late twenties, things were going really bad in my life. And, and I was just like, well, it's all over for now. And I turned it around, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know how real you want me to be, but like, you know, there were, I had a period, uh, after my divorce where things got pretty dark and, you know, it might, uh, if, if, if I, if I wasn't going to just die from my unhealthiness, like I was going to do it myself pretty much, but I fought against that and I, you know, I overcame, you know, so, uh, I, 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 you know, there was definitely possibilities and definitely thoughts in my mind of like, eh, I don't got to be here anymore. You know, fuck this. Uh, you know, so there's that, you know, <laughs> but I'm fine now. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> my name is Stella. And I'm from Chicago. Mm, not yet. I'm sure I will. <laughs> oh wait, oh wait, hold on. Yes, oh. on a roller coaster. But does that count? That probably doesn't count. I was on a carnival roller coaster ride, and like you know, there's like five-year-olds on this roller coaster, and I'm thinking. Oh, dear God, please, uh, you know, please, like, tell my family I love them. Like, literally, I'm on a carnival ride and I'm thinking I'm going to die. Like, that's how pathetic I am. <laughs> how did that make you feel afterwards? Um, I felt really happy that I was alive and that I could go get, you know, one of those. Um, what are those things called? You know, the the. Apparently, this is all about food. This should just be called the Food uh, Network uh, for me. It's the 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 deep fried dough. I was just so happy. Yeah, I made it through. I was like, I'm gonna get funnel cake now. <laughs> it was like very short lived. Hello, my name's Dan. Uh, I'm a cartoonist, mixed media artist from Cambridge, UK. What's a time that you honestly thought you were going to die? <laughs> uh, I ate a bag of mushrooms once and thought I was going to laugh myself to death. Really? Yeah, I just started laughing and couldn't stop. <laughs> was it funny or? Um, I don't know. I, I can't even remember. It was just laughter and then I couldn't breathe. And then yeah, I managed to calm myself down, but. There's been some depressed moments in my life. Um, so yeah, I've come close to it. I know the times that I'd rather not go into. Um, my name is Marie. I am a eyewear specialist and I am from St. Paul, Minnesota. 
Um, no. Fair enough. Yeah, no. <laughs> I had to think about it, like, in, in real terms, no. What do you mean, real terms? Um, there was a time, so when I had my appendicitis, I was really scared. Because um, I didn't know what this pain was that I, I suddenly had and I woke up and I was like, maybe I could go to work anyway. And then I ended up going to the doctor immediately and then they sent me immediately to surgery. Um, in that time, I don't think I, I thought I was going to die. I think I was just really scared because I was alone. So I, I was just thinking about that moment and I think that moment was probably the closest I've had. But I don't think I ever thought I was going to die. My name is Brett, and I'm a writer and a musician, and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I don't know that I've ever had a point in my life where I really thought I was going to die, other than dark points where I've been really, really depressed and just thought, like, it'd be great if it was all over. But... I haven't really had a huge medical scare or any point where I was terrified about dying. My name is M, and I am from Chicago. Yes, um, there were times where I was suicidal and had a plan. Um, and so death by, you know, like thinking death by my own hand. Um, I, I never attempted, uh, thankfully, um, but I, but I was there. Um, and uh, also uh, when I was in my late twenties, um, I had a very mysterious um, illness and they thought I went to a, a chiropractor the day the symptoms started and he was like, I'm not even touching you. And he goes, give me the name of your doctor right now. And he called my doctor and I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> um, and he was like, she needs she needs an MRI immediately. He thought I had a stroke or something. And and so uh, or they thought I had a brain tumor. Um, and then it, it took uh, about a year and a half of really um, horrifying medical uh, tests and things. And um, and then it was uh, figured out that it was just an egg allergy. But it, I couldn't walk, couldn't, my speech would slur. I had a cane for nine of the months. I had migraines for at least six months every day. You know, there were ch chunks of time where the symptoms were changing. I couldn't open my hands. I was in hand therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy every week, you know, three times a week. Like just uh, very, um, and they thought I had Lou Gehrig's disease, like things that were quite life threatening and terrifying. Are you still having these symptoms today? Oh, uh, if I eat, um, yeah, I, if I if I eat eggs, I you I will usually uh, I could eat them for a while again, and then it, now I can't. So, yeah, the symptoms uh, typically start up again, mm -hmm. and they'll go away right away as soon as I take the egg back out. <laughs> so I just don't eat eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really not worth it. <laughs> they don't taste that good. <laughs> My name is Brandon. I am a software developer. I am from Elgin, Illinois. I don't think I've ever had one. No? No. I'm very fortunate. That is very fortunate. <laughs> Actually, no. Um... There was probably the most dangerous situation I've ever been in. And again, I'm, I'm a very fortunate person. I've never been mm -hmm. in any major car accidents or, or, or anything like that. Um, everything's always been very controlled. You know, even, even if you're doing something that's scary, like a roller coaster or, or, or whatnot, it's always a very controlled situation. It's, um, you know, I've never really had any, any crazy things like that. I did have an incident where the police broke down my front door and, um, with guns drawn on me, uh, had me walk down a two flight stairwell from one of these old buildings and my, with my hands above my head and 
you realize as you're looking at the gun that if you if you stumble slightly, your only option is to fall down the stairs because if you grab the railing, it's going to look like you're going for a gun and they will shoot you. And that was that was a bit intense, uh, but that was probably the uh, right now. It's the only situation I can think of where where death was a possibility. My name is Sean. I am a showman and entertainment business owner, and I am from Chicago. Have you ever had a time in your life where you honestly thought you were going to die? Oh, oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, well, one of them is probably one of my most embarrassing stories possible. Um, and I was, it was when I was 12 years old and my, not my last trip to India, but the time before that. So, um, long story short, I had fell into a, um, cow waste trap. Um, and this is like a seven foot pit that's literally filled with cow waste. And I fell in. And it's like little, literally like quicksand almost. Um, I didn't go all the way in. Like it went to like my chest line at the time, but I was like slowly sinking and it got to like my shoulders before I was pulled out. So I could have died then, uh, which would have been a horrible way to go. Um, very shitty way to go actually. Um, but so that would be one, <laughs> uh, probably my most embarrassing way. Um, other than that, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm a pretty lucky person. So I feel like there'd be some pretty bad situations that happened. And somehow, like, I just happened to survive and get out of it. And the universe is just watching over me. So I, I can't I can't recall anything other than that really embarrassing moment. Um, but I definitely know that there's been more than one occasion where I, I could have died, but I did not. When you were in that cow trap and that, that feeling that you felt that, that feeling inside your head that said, I might die here. How does that affect you today? Um, I think it's one of those things where like, I just, I very much live in the moment, um, to, to be quite honest, I do my best to not think about that day because uh, I have family members even that are in India that still bring it up to this day. And mm. I am 33 years old and that happened when I was 12. So like it's one of those things where um, it's probably in the back of my mind, but I, I just naturally live uh, in a very... Um, like in the moment type of thing. I live like if I have an opportunity to do something I haven't done before and it won't kill me, I will probably do it. So, um, yeah, I just live very much in the moment and, um, to my own truth. And, you know, I, I take bold chances and risks and live pretty fearlessly. So I don't know if it's just my nature or if it has to do with specific moments like that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just I just don't really, you know, overthink things. And, you know, I'll know in my gut if it's if something is worth it or not. So, yeah. My name is Rob. I am a content creator and content marketer, and I am from the Midwest in America. I've never had one where I was really, really scared I was going to die. Um, I think the time it went through my head the most was a couple of years ago. I got really sick and I don't usually get sick. And I got really sick and I was sick for like a month. And it started out like it was a cold and then eh, maybe it's the flu. And then all of a sudden it was like, I can't get out of bed. I can't stay awake for more than five minutes at a time. Uh, and then it, it kept escalating and I was like fevers and sweating like crazy. I couldn't eat. I couldn't stay awake. Uh, I was awake literally just enough to go to the bathroom and go back to sleep. 
for days. And I, I think the reason I was worried was I could see how really, really scared my wife and daughter were. And, and then it turned into strep throat. When we thought I was turning a corner, I was like, oh, my throat hurts. And I'd looked and it, it looked normal. And then I looked in the mirror again with a flashlight like a day later and everything was completely white. And it was like, what is this? So we went to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh yeah, this is like <laughs> really, really advanced. And I was, I mean, I was so sick, dude. I, it was really scary. And, and then uh, on top of it, he gave me penicillin, which I'm allergic to, but he was like, oh, look, you had it in the past. So we're going to prescribe it. Yeah, no, I didn't. That was a mistake. And I had a reaction to that and it kept me sick for another week uh, at least. But I was, it was a full month. And at the end of 30 days, I don't think I was better. I think I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, <laughs> like I was no longer contagious. I was probably at about 30% of or maybe 40% of myself. And I just said, I'm going to work. I'm not contagious. I'm done with being sick. My name is Sarah. I'm a visual storyteller and culinary maven, and I'm from a podunk town in Iowa. Have you had a time in your life where you honestly thought you were going to die? Yes. Um, I have, uh, I suffer from uh, asthma, seasonal, mostly now, um, didn't used to be until recently because I got really sick in December and just haven't really com recovered completely. Um, back in 2009, I was in California um, for my best friend's wedding and it was just me and an another girlfriend. My husband couldn't come. And we went to San Diego and we got into town early um, before everyone else. And we stayed in this really fancy hotel down, downtown San Diego, the Omni. Um, and our plan was to, you know, have like a spa day, go to the beach um, or go to La Jolla, go to pick up some, uh, go to the bars, like just have a really great day. And um, we, I had, I had been feeling not good um, a few days before, kind of had a cold, but you know, it's like when you're excited about something, you just push through it, your adrenaline kicks in and you just go through it and take your vitamins and everything. And, and I'd had respiratory illnesses in the past um, habit or uh, um, yearly. And so I, I knew I need to take care of myself, but I tried to do everything I could. So anyway, we, we, we got in, we flew in, we um, went to the beach and we had taken the, we had taken the bus um, there and back, which took a long time. And between, I believe, you know, being in the cold water, it was August, but it was still the Pacific Ocean, still pretty cold year round. Mm. And at, between being in the water, being in the open air, um, I started feeling like I was going downhill. And we got back to the hotel. Well, we were, you know, we skipped all the other plans. We ordered a pizza. Um, and we got back to the hotel and we're just because I just didn't feel good at all. And so my my best friend was just like, you know, let's just get pizza and hang out. Don't worry about it. You know, I want you to feel better. Um, so I was kind of I was still not feeling real good. But at about probably about one in the morning, I remember I'll never forget this. I sat straight up in bed, like literally like I'd just been underwater for the last minute. And just did one of these <gasps> like gasping for breath. Like I literally, I was like sitting up like the, like the, like the dead waking and I could not breathe. Um, and I was having an asthma attack and I didn't know it cause I'd never had one, a serious one before. Um, I could not get breath in. And of course, you know, I'm trying to do everything I can. I'm turning on the steam in the shower, which I found out now is a bad idea when you're having an asthma attack. It actually makes it worse cause it's inflammation. Um, so my mind is racing. I am with, yes, I'm with my best friend who I love, but my family is across the country in Iowa. I am panicking, which is also a terrible thing to do when you're having an asthma attack. I didn't have an inhaler because I don't usually take one. Um, and my mind's racing thinking, I don't have insurance in this state. I don't have coverage. Um, so we're start like, I'm literally like, feel like I'm, I'm gasping of breath. I cannot breathe. I'm still breathing, obviously. But it's just, it was in pure panic and my friends like fe feverishly looking through the phone book because, it, you know, this is uh, 11 years ago, 
So we didn't have the data capabilities on our phones that we used to have. I didn't have a computer, nothing. So she's desperately calling the front desk, you know, trying to find urgent cares. Cause the last thing I wanted to do was to go to the hospital because in my mind, I'm thinking dollar signs. I don't want to go to the hospital. I'm dying, but I don't want to go to the hospital. Um, so eventually we just gave up because all the urgent cares were either closed or not accepting, um, patients that didn't have insurance that they would take. Um, we ended up calling a cab. The cab drove us to the emergency room. I was triaged. Um, I was fine. Um, and at that point, once I was triaged, we sat in the waiting room for three hours, uh, and by that time, I, I'd kind of calmed down, um, but I still was having trouble breathing, but I wasn't dying. And so we were in the hospital all night, um, finally was seen about seven hours later and released. And, you know, walk, we actually walked back to the hotel after that. And it was like this incredible feeling like I had not died, but the panic, the panic in that moment. And it was more about everything, not, not necessarily that I was going to die, but I mean, I felt like I was going to die, but I, but it was more like this feeling of everything else. I was so worried about everything else after. Like what, what were you scared of? Um, just, just the fact that, you know, this is how it's going to happen. And I'm not with my family and, um, I, I wasn't, con I was concerned about myself, but I was concerned about, you know, about money and about you know, getting somewhere. And I wasn't immediately concerned about my own health. It was just more, I was immediately concerned about all the other factors that came into play. And the fact that I didn't have anybody with me other than someone who, you know, even though I, is my best friend, you know, and thinking about what that would do to them and stuff. So, so as I'm suffering through all of this, I'm, I'm like, my mind's racing about all these other things <laughs> I'm worried about. My name is Zach. I am an IT professional. I am from Aurora, Illinois, but I live in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, yes, um, I had some demons um, I was dealing with um, while I was in the military. And um, there's some, some holidays I spent alone that are holidays you should not spend alone. Um, and thankfully, I, ha I have people who care about me and answer the phone and um, kind of talk me off the ledge. and. Uh, kind of got me to where I needed to be and, and helped me deal with my problems at that time. So yeah, there was a few times where I, I didn't think that I was going to uh, wake up, if you will. How does that make you feel now? Um, we got a lot of training about um, mental health in the military, something they, they really shoved down our throat. And I'm talking really shoved down our throat. And so kind of in the moment and thinking about the things that they talked about and they told us and the things we had to study on, um, it made me have a second thought on the whole process. Um, I didn't have to deal with some of the crazier demons that some of these other people, the 22 a day are dealing with. Um, I don't think it goes as in depth as some of those things that those people are dealing with, but um, things weren't clicking right in my head and I thought that that was one way out. Um, and you know, using that training, it's like, no, it's not, it's selfish. You know, what about the people that I would be leaving behind? And that's, you know, not why I'm doing this. Um, and, and you know, and then having friends and people that answer the phone and that are there for you. And it's like, you know, kind of help you get your head right and get into the right mind space. Um, so I think that I'm, I'm kind of lucky that I've got the people that I have in my circle. Yeah, I'm really happy you have that as well. So, side note, and we're not going to go too much into this because, you know, uh, but I'm super interested. Um, when my dad came home from Vietnam, he said one of the hardest things to deal with was the fact that when he went into the military, he was told everything you believe in no longer is a thing that you now you can kill and you should kill. But as soon as he got out, they said, now forget everything we taught you about that because now you have to go back to society. Do you think the military now is taking better strides to alleviate that? Like you, you mentioned that they really cram it down your throat about 
um, the mental health aspects? Do you think they're getting better at that? Um, I think that between Vietnam and post 9-11, very much so. I think there, there's, while I still think it's complete shit, it's garbage, and they need they need to spend more money on soldiers coming home for more. Mm. Um, that, that's not at a point where it, it needs to be. But from Vietnam to post 9-11, I think there's a lot more there. You know, um, Korea, Nam, World War II, they didn't have a name for post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Yeah, they just called it shell shock. Yeah, that or um, tr- trench head or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And, it, and they didn't really understand what it was, how it affected people. I don't think that people understood kind of the light switch in the brain. Like it's not a light switch. You can't just flick it on and off. Like there are people with serious issues based on the things that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's f- from what it was to what it is now, I think there's a little bit more training on it now and, and – they're trying to get you to understand like you're going to go through extremely high stress situations and you may have flashbacks and you may go back to that place. And then it's trying to help you pull yourself out of that. I think, you know, in the sixties and seventies, they didn't have any of that. They didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they wanted to spend the time or the money on it. Um, and then they're starting to see a lot of homelessness, a lot of suicide. Right. Uh, and they're starting to see more of these things and they realized, yeah, we need to put more emphasis and more effort into that. Uh, so we have people to volunteer themselves to go um, and go overseas and go to war. Um, so I, th- I think that, yeah, there's more training on it now, but could it be better? Of course. Could there be better services and better um, health care and all of that? Of course. I mean, the VA went through a huge shakeup because of how corrupt it was and how crappy some of, of the hospitals were and people dying in the waiting room whether it's from mental health or regular ailments, cancer, whatever. Um, So I think we're getting there. We're just not there yet. My name is Potato Johnson, and I am from Crystal Lake, Illinois. Oh, geez. Um, Well... When I was seven, I was in the hospital for two weeks for asthma. That was pretty scary. Beyond that, I don't really know. Um, never really had all that bad of a an airplane flight. Never been in too bad of a car accident. Um, I think that the asthma thing is probably about the only time is uh, being stuck at seven years old in a hospital not being able to breathe do you remember how it felt um the, what i do remember is mostly boredom um and i remember uh being real scared when i first got in because they couldn't manage to get the iv in because it was like a nurse uh in training and she poked me like a million times before they managed to get a vein and that was scared and I, at, true to form even at seven i was more pissed than scared um, so, I mean, it, even at that, it was kind of like raging against death more than being afraid of it. Do you ever think back on it and how it makes you feel now? Um, do in a different context though. I think about it in relation to, uh, my son Lucas, because he just recently got, uh, diagnosed with asthma and with a nut allergy, which I don't understand because my wife and I love peanuts and he's apparently allergic to them, but he's always hated peanuts since he was a kid. So that's weird. But I think of it more of an, in an empathetic manner, whereas I hope this doesn't happen to him. And so it, it kind of makes me a little more extra vigilant about his breathing and, you know, making sure that he doesn't have to go through that. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm from Elgin, Illinois, and I am a self-described geek, lover of life, and hopefully a good person to listen to. A couple. I've uh, I've had a few health issues and health scares in the last um, four or five years that, um, you know, I, I had a, at one point in time a 
doctor come up to me about three or four years ago and says, if you don't change what you're doing, you have two or three years left to live. Um, and that was really scary. Now, was it, was it terrifying in the point of immobilization? No, but it was really like, you know, what, what did I do to get here? And, uh, you know, I, I kind of look back and saw why, and, you know, we've changed that fact that I'm doing pretty well right now, which is pretty good. So, I mean, I'm, you know, but I, I have, and, you know, there's been a couple other situations that I've done something stupid and like, man, if I would have stepped this way instead of that way, I might be dead. And, you know, I think we've all had that as, as stupid younger people where you do something and you look back at the end and like, oh my God, how did I drive home like that? Or <clears throat> pardon me, or how, how did I not get hurt? But, you know, sometimes that's the luck of the draw and sometimes that's just, that's just what it is. So you got to go from there. Thinking back about those moments, how do you feel now? Um, I think they're, you know, I think it's, it's, I think it's important. It's profound. I think it kind of, it can kind of adjust your or correct your thinking um, about what's right and wrong or what the priority is. Um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's hard to break habits that you've had for your entire adult life. I mean, I'm in my early fifties. I've been, I don't want to say at this a long time, but I've had a long time to develop a lot of bad habits and I have a lot of bad habits. <laughs> and so it, it, it does help you kind of straighten and course correct. And I think it's, you know, it, it's not as much what you're presented with is that, that how you figure it out. Cause you know, I, I'm of the opinion, we all make a lot of decisions and we all make a lot of mistakes and it's how you deal with the mistakes. That's the most important part. Not that you made them. I mean, if you make the same mistake 20 times, then you obviously didn't deal with it correctly, but I'm just saying like, you know, we all have things that happen and guess what? That's just part of life. I mean, we're, you know, we live in a time where, you know, most, most of the time you get sick, you can get back, you can come back forward or if something bad happens, you can bounce back and, and be in relatively decent shape. Um, you know, that may not always be the case, but I think, you know, we all have a shot at, you know, living a decent life, even when we do that kind of stuff. So I, I think we, you know, I think it's just how you react to it. So. My name is Mark Allen Fishman. I'm an artist and comedian. I am from Homewood, Illinois. Die, perhaps not, but there's definitely been one time in the recent past where I would assuredly say that I knew I hit medical rock bottom. Um, I had, ended up, I, I had some kidney stones, which uh, is a pain that I would wish on my worst enemy. I don't know why people ever say they wouldn't because um, I know they'll survive it and it sucks. Um, but I had kidney stones and was in a space physically where I had assuredly left myself to go <laughs> and knowing that I would, uh, there was no hiding it. Like I, I had to go to the hospital. I had to be seen by doctors and uh, poked and prodded and, you know, blood drawn, all that kind of stuff. And the, the doctor came in after all of the, you know, initial, like, you know, we're going to stick hoses and things in you to get stuff out of you and make sure you're doing fine. Uh, once all that had settled down, this uh, very nice Indian gentleman came in and just, you know, clapped the the clapboard and he goes, Mr. Fishman, you're a very sick man. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's great. <laughs> uh, my father had uh, quintuple bypass surgery when he was 42. So I figured, like, uh, if I could just get myself past 42, I'd be okay. And I was really disappointed that I was like hospitalized well, well in advance of that. But then he was like, well, it's just, you know, you had kidney stones and it turns out you're like basically a diabetic and your cholesterol sucks. And, you know, uh, you know, basically just hit me with everything. And I was like that, that all checks out just fine. The only difference is my dad had to have a low grade heart attack to get his going. I just had to pee rocks. So, you know, Six of one, half a dozen of another. <laughs> we are Lauren and Ryan. We are wedding photographers. And we are from Chicago, Illinois. Can you do mine? Sure. Uh, so 
I had a situation where I thought I was gonna die when I was pregnant with my son, um, and I actually almost died that I have a disease where my body rejects babies, and it winds up, it's kind of like a parasite trying to kill the host. So I got really, really sick with a disease called preeclampsia and help syndrome, and it actually shuts down your entire body and your organs until the baby oh. is delivered. Yeah, so it was very scary. My son was forced to be delivered by C-section at 25 weeks. Um, I almost died. My, you know, I almost bled to death because my liver and my kidneys were failing, so I had like not a lot of platelets. It was, it was a very scary um, period of time, and my son almost died as well. But he's here, and he's alive, and I'm here, and I'm alive. Um, I have high blood pressure uh, and like kind of issues with my heart since then because it did drastically affect me. And I'm probably not going to have any more children. Um, here, make sure that doesn't turn off. Sorry. I'm probably not going to have any more children. So um, that was my story. What about you, Ryan? Um, I can't really think of a specific time where I thought I was absolutely going to die. I've had uh, situations where I thought I could die, possibly, depending on the reaction. The most recent one I can think of was the 4th of July at Navy Pier. Uh, Lauren and I took Noah to go see the fireworks at Navy Pier for the 4th of July. Beautiful show, had a great time, lots and lots of fun. But we um, basically, at the end of the night, I kind of turned to Lauren and I said, hey, you know, I, um, I just feel like we should hang back. The crowd was really, really dense getting out of there and I don't like crowds anyway. I don't like to be in the middle of them. And I was like, let's just hang back for a second. And Lauren's like, no, let's just go. I want to get out of here. And uh, against my instincts, I said, all right, let's go. I put Noah on my shoulders and we start heading for the gate. And all of a sudden we're, I don't know, maybe 50 or 100 feet from the gate. And someone yells, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. And the whole crowd just begins to move like a herd and, uh, you know, a cattle stampede. And, uh, and, and so I've got Noah on my shoulders. I've got Lauren next to me and Lauren doesn't know what to do. And I just start pulling towards the side to get over to the uh, the water line where all the boats were because the crowd was just forcing everything back all of a sudden. And then, of course, we didn't know if there was a gunman or what was going on. So we, we get over to the line and I, I put Noah down and I tell Lauren, you got to jump in the boat, jump in the boat. We jump and we leap over this water line into the boat and then we just get down. And uh, ultimately, it was a, um, a stabbing, I think, that was occurring up front. But someone had yelled. I think it was even security who had yelled gun. And uh, it was pretty scary. And, uh, you know, there were a few moments there that I, I didn't know what was going to happen, if I was going to die, if there was going to be guns. But, you know, I was mentally prepared that if there was a gunman and, it, it, you know, there was a possibility of death that I was going to jump up and I would charge. And even if that was my demise, that's, you know, those are the decisions you have to make in those fight or flight moments. Does this still affect you today? Uh, a question for both of you. Uh, yeah, the Navy Pier situation, kind of. Sometimes we'll get we'll be around big crowds, um, and we'll get kind of scared sometimes, a little bit. We've, we've kind of mentioned it, I guess not terribly, because obviously there wasn't a gun, but um, for the situation with my son, does it still affect mm -hmm. me? It does, because I really don't want to go through that again, so I probably have decided not to have any more children by myself, but an adoption is an option for me. And then as far as the Navy Pier situation goes, um, I wouldn't say it affects me. I've, I've always been apprehensive of crowds and it was kind of like what we even talked about earlier where it's just, it's that herd or that stampede mentality, that panic, right? So I'm always pretty cognizant of that, but I'm not gonna let it keep me from, from living my life or, or from going places that are fun and exciting. One of my all-time favorite quotes about death is from a Showtime original show called Dead Like Me. Death is kind of like sex in high school. If you knew how many times you missed having it, you'd be paralyzed. And I think that kind of sums up my feelings on death too because it's all around us at any given time. Going through these things made me reevaluate things of my life. And I still go off the handle and I get angry at stupid shit, but I think back on these moments and it kind of puts things into perspective. Stories like these make our world feel 
a little more connected. Like no matter what you're going through, what fears you've had or what stories you've had, you're not alone. And now more than ever, you're not alone. We're all in this story together. I think it's important for me to say this, especially in times like this. It's okay to just be okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Reach out to friends and family. Talk to people. Express your feelings, your concerns. And if you need help, please reach out. If you're feeling signs of depression, don't hesitate to call someone and ask for help. Reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They are absolutely amazing people. Their phone number is 1-800-273-8255. There are people there wanting to listen and wanting to help. This podcast is not sponsored by the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, but it is something I believe in. And for anyone out there who does need to hear this, I really hope it helps. Because remember, we're all in this together. And at least for me, once that really sank in, it really started to help. Do you have a story about a time when you thought you were going to die? Email us or send us a voicemail clip. Email us or send us a voice audio clip telling us your story. We would love to hear it and play it on the show. If you don't want us to play it on the show, that's okay too. I'd just be honored to read it. Thank you so much for joining us here on Behind Every Story. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast streaming app or sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and my always favorite, just random people. Be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook at Behind Every Story Podcast to stay up to date on all our new episodes and to follow some behind the scenes little tidbits too, like when we announced that we got on Stitcher, which I thought was amazing. And if you get a chance, give us a review on one of these podcast streaming apps, either iTunes or Google or Blueberry or Stitcher. Give us a review. Give us that full five stars because the more reviews we get, the more chances it'll be in front of people's eyes and their ears to give us a chance. And of course, you can always find us on BehindEveryStory.com. Great storytellers make the world a smaller and more intimate place. Thank you to all the storytellers out there, big and small. And thank you, amazingly, thank you to our guests this week. Al, Brett, Bob, Brandon, Chris, Chris, Daniel, John, Lauren and Ryan, M, Mark, Marie, Michael, Potato Johnson, Rob, Sarah, Stella, Sean, Zach. I've been your storyteller, Jason Osterkamp, and it's been a pleasure sitting around the campfire with you. Join us again next time when we talk about the best gift you've ever received. Here on Behind Every Story.